are a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> you know, one day hey everybody and welcome to yet another crazy episode of Matt and Tom's excellent podcast and hello to you the infamous Matthew Crummins. I don't th- is infamous the right word that makes I thought Ned Kelly was infamous and I'm definitely not as accomplished exactly. as what he is. So it's a backhanded compliment when somebody says to you that you're infamous it basically means that uh you probably are left of centre and, and not in a good way. Yeah, a bit famous for the wrong reasons, which is probably <laughs> true with me now that you mention it. <laughs> really? Really? You see, I, I, but for the listeners out there, they, they must know, they must think that we have been mates for years on end. And I wish it had been the case because I kind of feel like you're the uh, the brother I never had, although you'd be a much younger one. Um, but uh, but then we, we've only known each other a couple of years through the Bright Festival of Photography, haven't we? Well, it's interesting because I've been watching your posts on Facebook lately of all these historic photos. Oh, and yes. little do you know, I have actually got a, an exact replica of your photos. But what I've done is I've actually Photoshopped myself into <laughs> all of them just to kind right. of give this illusion that... It's a bit you know, weird, Matt. Have you got a bit too much time on your hands lately with ISO or what's the deal? Um, oh, okay. have you got a, or have you got a secret obsession with me? I mean, let's let's have it out right here and now. Let's just do it, make it public. I, look, it's not it's not that to be honest. Um, I think it's more procrastination because um, BFOP's just scaring the hell out of me at the moment, and so I'm you know just doing anything I can to keep my mind off it. And um, I also thought that you might enjoy that, just you know, as you said, you know, get a bit of heritage, artificial artificial heritage. Yeah, for those who haven't seen, on my Facebook, my personal Facebook, which feel free to send me a friend request. Oh, is it your personal one? Okay. Because I didn't it is, you even have a work one. Okay. Right. Yeah, I have a work one. I have a personal one. And then I also have my tribe. So oh I try God. to not replicate the content across all three of those pages. So mm. most of the time I publish into the tribe because it's mostly about photography. And then if it's personal stuff, I'll put it obviously on my uh on my Facebook uh, personal page, but I don't, I don't share a lot of personal stuff on my Facebook. To be honest, this is probably about as personal as I've got. To be yeah. honest, putting my um, historic photos of me growing up as a kid, um, which I've been encouraged to do by a good friend of mine, Rhonda, who's who's doing a bit of work for me, and we're working together to on a few different projects. And she said, I really think you need to. Uh, redo your bio and uh, let people in a bit more and uh, tell them a bit more about your backstory. So been encouraged by her to go and uh, go through my boxes and boxes of photos that I've raided from my parents' place years ago and find photos of me growing up with my brother uh, in Melbourne and um, and photos of me growing up at school and stuff like that. So, and you're saying I've got time on my hands? Jeez. <laughs> No, no, no. I tell you what happened. No, I tell you what happened. Um, I was somewhere. I dropped my kids off um, at their mum's place the other night and I was thinking about it on the way home and I went, yeah, I'd really like to dig a few of those photos out. And I spent maybe an hour, hour and a half on the uh, lounge room floor here just going through the boxes very quickly and just going, oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, no, toss that. And uh, and then I just literally have held the the photos, the prints up in my hand and taking a photo with my phone in order to get them up onto Facebook. Very fancy. Gives it a vintage vibe as well. <laughs> but yeah. to crop my thumb out of most Slightly of Slightly crap quality, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. I can make that excuse because half the prints are stuck together because of moisture getting in between all of the photographic um, 
you know, emulsions, which is terrible. From all the um, tears of joy walking through them, they just sort of get a bit soggy. I actually don't like looking through a lot of historic photos because I think your life's more about your future rather than your past. So I think looking back and reminiscing and all the rest of it, it's nice. But then by the same token, it's like it's been and gone. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. We, I've got a very funny little story, not to do with the past. Well, it is to do with the past, actually. But um, you were saying that you were holding them up, just taking photos with a, a phone. So mm. my very first business um, was I was 12 years old. And in yes. grade six, I know that sounds a bit silly, but right. um, it was a legitimate business. I had a friend, a family friend ask if I could convert, you know, the Super 8 reel-to-reel videos or like yes. films? Yeah. So ask if yeah. I could convert some of those to VHS at the time. And I said to him, I'm like, no, I don't know how to do that. Like I was pretty into my like visually visual stuff and video, but I, I'm like, I have no idea. And he said, why don't you just project it onto, the, onto your cupboard wall or the oh, wall and then just film, film it with a camcorder? Oh, that'll be great quality. And I said, oh, that'll be like, you know, like, why not? So anyway, I started doing that literally in my bedroom. I had a white cupboard and so I'd project onto there. I used to get mum's um, tapes that she used to like, they were sort of ambient tapes that she'd listen to in her studio. And I'd put the music track in on one side and then I'd just convert these reels to reels through filming through my video camera. Anyway, long story short, I started doing it, putting letter drops around the neighborhood and started getting a lot of work. And eventually got um, became the Kodak recommended supplier when I was twelve years old. Oh, first. You know how it fell apart? It was so funny. So they called one day and asked for Matt Crummins, and asked my mum was like, uh, "Who is this?" And they said, "It's Kodak Australia." And she goes, "I'm sorry, but he's at school." <laughs> and I, oh. I lost the whole thing. It all fell apart. They were sending me footage oh. from all over Australia to convert. I was having the time. Of my, well, I actually hated doing it, but I was having the time of my life spending the money that I was getting. You were you were making um, money. Yeah, it was really good money too. And um, and then, yeah, with one phone call, mum just busted Lovely. the whole thing up. So, Jesus, mum. But I'm just thinking, Tom, I mean, that could be a, that could be like Tom Putt, you know, um, digital negative conversion service where you just get your phone and just take pictures handheld and, and digitize <laughs> people's shots. Like that could be a good ISO project, really. It is ironic that we are now talking about this, even though this is not the topic of today's podcast. Yeah, true. Because... Um, whilst we are chatting and filling in time, I'm just trying to bring up my terribly slow internet. A friend of mine, Kathy, who comes past the gallery regularly when we are open, um, is has actually started her own business doing uh, photo scanning. Her her business, to give her a plug, is deluxephotoscanning.com. Her name is Kathy Fisher, deluxephotoscanning.com, and she will scan. Your old photos for you, professionally, That's... 300 DPI, all the rest of it. So once ISO is done and dusted, and if you've got like boxes of stuff and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'd really love to have a digital version of this, digital copy of it, because prints, you know, whilst they should last forever, as you, as I've just said, you know, mm. I've got photos that are in boxes and getting trashed and sticking together and stuff like that. So she can scan those for you. And um, do all that grunt work, which nobody really wants to do, do you? I mean, no, you know, what? in front of a scanner for hours and hours and hours and scan photos. Can I'd I, much prefer to give it to somebody else and let them do it. She does it for fifty cents a photo. So, and Kathy, well, I, I want to throw I want to throw one extra thing out there for Kathy if she's listening, because there's one piece of this puzzle that drives me absolutely insane, and she might already do this, but. You know when you get photos converted from like an album to digital, one thing that annoys me, if you take it to like one of the big pro shops, they are quite expensive, quite a bit more expensive than Kathy by the sounds of it. So that's a good option. But mm. they, you know, you pull the photo out of the album and then the caption is in the album still. I want someone to scan it into Lightroom and actually write the caption 
<laughs> into the caption, like translate entire albums. Right. Um, that's just just saying, Kathy. If you've got if you've got five you seconds, can... give me a call for a small commission. I'm happy to repeat exactly what I just said. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what? I guess the next step is actually giving her a set of images for prints and saying, can you scan these, then produce a beautiful hardcover coffee table book and put my captions that I might have had in an old photo album and uh-huh. put them into the new book? What do you think? Yeah, and you know better. what? Even one step further than that, you could oh, provide okay. a few variations of a person you've newly met, right, some photos of that person, so for instance me, and you could go and give them an old photo album and say, can you just Photoshop this person I newly met into my old photo album so that I feel like we've been friends for much longer? Oh, now you're just getting ridiculous, which is probably good because that's the whole show, isn't it, really? I mean... I wouldn't have it any other way. Track, we're back on track now. <laughs> well, speaking of ridiculous, we should give a shout-out to Nick Fletcher because we, we rarely go a podcast without mentioning him and he he's uh, he gets very upset if we don't mention him. So I thought we'd pull it out there early just in case we forget. G'day, Nick. How are you going? Love you to death. One day we might get you on the podcast, although I very much doubt it. So a shout out to you. I'm sorry you can't be with us today. We really would love to have you as part of this podcast, but it's really for for the cool cats. And you're you, a you mean the, the professional photographers? The pro- <laughs> oh, I love it. Yes, yes. The professionals out there and really, you know, if he decides one day to, to jump on board and become professional and, and act professionally, we might consider having him on. Yeah, I, I'm going to get in trouble by saying anything, so I'm just going to be nice and quiet in the corner over here. I'll be in the blue corner. <laughs> You've already said it. You've already said it. How fun was that podcast we did the other night? Yeah. You know how bad I felt in the morning, though? I because oh, I was bad. Just for the listeners who are thinking, what the hell are they talking about now? Matt, as everybody should know, is heavily involved as one of the organisers for the Bright Festival of Photography. Does an excellent job, an amazing job. The hours he must put in are ridiculous. And uh, as part of the part of the new offerings, they've been doing interviews with the uh, workshop leaders, including myself, leading up to the Bright Festival of Photography to generate some interest, obviously, and uh, talk further about what workshops are coming up this year. And we jumped on a very late podcast the other night, very late call, and uh, it was about 9.30, 10 o'clock by the time we uh, got to record the podcast. And by that stage, a few um, alcoholic beverages had been consumed and a lot of banter had been um, thrown left, right and centre. And so um, I think Paul Wes, who puts the whole podcast together... Oh, my what a nightmare. <laughs> a few hours of editing do there to, and, and maybe might end up with five minutes of content. Well, this is my problem is I'm an early riser. So I get up about, you know, anywhere from four to at four to 5am and I work really solid. So I go straight to my computer oh. with my coffee and work solid. But by about 3pm or even 2pm sometimes, yeah. most days, yeah. I'm like, you know what, glass of wine in the bath. So 9 p.m. to me is really kind of well and truly into my relaxation time. It's the middle of the night for you. Yeah, pretty much. Like, hold on a second. I should be like out in la-la land right now. basically, yeah. You did look. That's uh, just me at the moment. That is just me. Honestly, (laughs) that is just me every single day. Just to to put this out to the podcasters uh, listening, Matt looked like he had either not slept for three days or he had seriously taken some hard drugs because his eyeballs were popping out of his head and he was like, drug fuck, I swear. you. I know you don't do drugs and no, no, no one ever should. We're not condoning that at all. 
but Jesus, you look spaced out. Oh, I tell you what, I I feel like you know, um, is it the Monty Python episode where he's going like, "You bring out your dead," and they're just like, <laughs> you know, they just look completely dishevelled. Uh, that yeah. is me right now because right. I mean, Isla is obviously um, so she's she's just turned three months, which is great. Um, wow. But congratulations! Thank the first you. three months they always say are the hardest. Oh, she's been she's been experience. so good for the last few weeks, so good. Oh. But it's still just you know, it's just you know, as I'm sure people know, relentless. Um, and then. Yes. Yeah, I've been actually been working my ass off um, the last probably two weeks. I've had a, a quite a huge project that's kept me on my toes for, you know, a full day's work plus then the BFOP stuff happening. So I just sit at my computer and stare at it. And also with webcams, I have this massive light that I use for my web webinar things. So I'm staring at like a huge LED panel in front of me all day. So kind of I think wow. it is it's, it is burning my eyeballs and quite possibly into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> They should be doing psychological studies on you about now, Matt. We should probably talk about our actual topic. I just looked at the time. I'm like, holy crap. We're just like... I just, uh, we just get carried away, don't we? So, well, the good news is, I don't, I don't know what the topic really is. So, provided so much content already. <laughs> That's it. We're the top tip for photographers. You know. I always say that, that people should be inspired, educated, and entertained when they uh, hear me speak at camera clubs, etc. And so, We've got, hopefully we've delivered on at least one of those um, core principles already, which should be the entertainment, I would hope. Yeah. But let's uh, let's see if we can inspire and educate listeners for the remaining half hour or so. The topic of today was around um, how do we go about assessing a location in order to get the right shot once we arrive? Isn't that isn't that what we decided on, Matt? Um, to be honest. You did message me the topic and I did look at it. I even asked for some clarification and I, you did. You did. I've i had a very busy day. So I looked at that right. and I was like, yeah, I'm sure I could wing that. So I, well, I'm going to sort of let you go first. Yeah, I'll, I'll lead off. And, and I'm going to mimic uh, what you just said. I'm just going to I, repeat it, <laughs> re- replace my name with your name throughout the story. Put, it, put it, the same topic in a different sentence and uh, you'll be right. What is your approach slash vision when getting a like getting to a location? Do you so, mean getting to like finding the location or when you get to the location? No, right? I think it's when you get to the location. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's because, um, for example, um, I, I won't mention names, but um, there's a group of photographers who work together and, and that will narrow it down to just a few groups here in Australia that um, when they would get to a particular location, I know that, many of them or a couple of them would easily be able to just assess the situation and go, yep, right, okay, we're down here at the beach. This is where I need to go in order to get the right shot because the light's going to be doing this and that, et cetera, et cetera. But there was one of them that just would wander aimlessly looking for the shot because uh, it was difficult for that photographer to find the the right angle or the right approach. And so it's, it's not unusual for professionals and amateurs to get to a location and just say right what am i doing here like i've got no idea it's not obvious Uh, to me so that's i guess what we're trying to piece together through the podcast today oh i can help with that yeah oh good 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 well let's let's uh, let's uh thrash this one out for the next uh 20 30 minutes or so i know that when i get to a location i'm i'm often looking at what grabs my attention so i'm one of those photographers that i don't tend to like to sort of wait around for magic to happen i like to create it i guess more than anything else and if i can't create it well i'm probably going to go home pretty disappointed i do like to go out and and hope that i get a good shot every time i go out and photograph which i think we've discussed already is not always possible however um i like to get to a location 
and just assess the situation and see what's grabbing my attention. It might be the crashing of the waves on the beach. It might be the way the water laps up on the beach and then it disappears behind. (laughs) Sorry, is that not helping? That just, sorry, it's poetic. I thought there was a a grizzly bear. Oh, so that was my wave sound. You got there eventually. It got yeah. me there. I was using my imagination. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, anyway. I, yeah. I, I'm doing a bit of that. Um, just like when I come to compose a photograph, I'm always saying, right, what is it? Where's the wow factor here? Mm. If I can find the wow factor, I can then construct the image around that. So when I get to a location, I'm saying to myself, what's really grabbing my attention? And I really do want the wow factor because I think if you want to be a better photographer, just take better photos. Sounds simple. so simple and obvious and ambiguous at the same time. Mm. That's a big word. That, um, I, I, how, let me explain that. Not everywhere, as a landscape photographer, not everywhere you go is necessarily going to produce a kick-ass photo. We'd like it to be the case. We'd like to just rock up anywhere and it's an amazing shot and uh, you come away with a, a world-winning photograph. It's just not going to happen. Some locations are more photogenic than other. Others, Uluru, Twelve Apostles, um, you know, the the Sydney Opera House even. They're they're iconic locations, but they're iconic for a reason because they're so photogenic, right? So you're saying it's a photo, like the thing itself is pretty and therefore the photograph is kind of guaranteed. That's not a good photograph necessarily though because it's just a pretty thing. Not necessarily guaranteed, but by the same token, you're halfway there when you're dealing with good subject matter in the first place. Yeah. Like, I guess it's like model shots, isn't it? Like if you, you there's a, there's a yes. wild difference between taking a photo of like me or a model. Like you could be the wow. best photographer on the planet, but my photo's not going to look as good. This is, where you want to, <laughs> this is where you want to go back into your past, Matt, and talk to everyone about how you used to model and, you know. Oh, no, I was going to talk about Chadwick's back. had you on their books for, you know, for 15 years and that's how you, you, you know, you made it in the industry. You, you were a model first and then you became a photographer later, is that right? Maybe a model citizen, but, um, but that's about as far as it would have gone, I reckon. I was a hand model in my days. I can, pic- I can picture that. No, I wasn't. Mm. Sorry, I butted in there. Sip of water. But um, I'm saying that that there's, as a landscape photographer, you'd probably do yourself a favour to actually look at all the photographs that you love, perhaps go through some competitions that you may or may not have entered, look at what caught your eye, look at what did well, and say to yourself, what is it about those photographs that made them so appealing to you? And there might be common themes within that in terms of subject matters. So I know that piers, jetties, um, lighthouses, for example, are very cliche, but they're also very photogenic and they're pe- things that people are drawn to because they find them aesthetically pleasing. So perhaps make a list for yourself of all of the subject matters around you or where you go to photograph that you find appealing and uh, and then you could focus on those. But then when you get to those particular locations, I guess what you're trying to say to yourself is, right, what is it that's catching my eye and how can I construct a photograph around that? So... It, um, it may be some storm clouds that have gathered in around the lighthouse, for example, or, um, you know, I think try and make it a bit different. At the end of the day, we've all seen a million and one photographs. Let's go for something that's a little bit obscure. I like getting out in the weather we're having at the moment. Oh, yeah. 
if we could get out, mind you. Yes. We've just had another sort of weekend here in Melbourne of pretty wintry weather, um, you know, hailing at times and then the sun comes out the next. Some of those days are the best days to get out photographing as a landscape photographer. Very atmospheric. So as one of my kids falls down the I was just wondering whether you were understacking the dishwasher whilst you are doing this. <laughs> there's none of that going on today. But uh, there's, it's, it's, it's a bit of a party house, this one. So apologies for anything you hear in the background. Um, does that help? And Matt, could you, uh, could you butt in with your two cents worth as well? Yeah, well, I'm going to... So I obviously don't do just one genre. I do a bit of everything. And so um, my approach is actually quite consistent now that you've sort of outlined that. I think I understand where we're coming from a bit. So I would say that in every single situation that I photograph, the only thing that I look for and this is a very broad term, the only thing I look for in a scene to start me off on that creative journey, if you want to be a wank about it, um, is, uh, is contrast. So, contrast. yeah, so contrast in a few ways. All right, so contrast in the, it could be contrast in the light. So, for instance, if I'm shooting wildlife, it's all good. Well, like, I'll give you an example. Um, last year, I think it was, um, we were in South Africa and there was a, a, this awesome shot of a zebra. It's like my favorite zebra shot of all time. Uh, not right. even just my shots, but just generally. I think I've taken the best zebra photo on the planet, in my opinion. Really? Um, yeah, really? I really love really? it. I think it's great. Oh, we'll pop that up onto the group um, later. But the thing about it is it's the thing I love about wildlife shots is is to make your subject stand out because often um, wildlife is uh, camouflaged. You need to create contrast with that to make it stand out. So sometimes that could be about um, using light. Um, so as an example, what you were saying with landscapes, you could rock up to the beach, for instance, but, and if the best piece of subject matter is right in front of you, but the the sun is you know in the wrong position, so there's no contrast in your scene. Like let's say the sun's directly behind you and everything's just lit really well, it's still going to be a pretty crap photo because it's just got no contrast. So whilst it's great to identify things that to catch your eye, I think for me, yes, they catch your eye, but then you've got to go. Well, hold on, how am I going to contrast this to make it actually stand out? How am I going to get a feature in my shot? So it could be light. Um, contrast can also come down to color. So um, again, I'm just thinking back to the example you said on the, about the sort of seascape stuff. Um, you know, one of my favorite shots or, or places to photograph is down at Cape Shank. And one of my, yes. I had a workshop down there last year, year before, and um, Jeff Nankervis, um, who's a regular for both of our workshops. Um, yes, yes, and, uh, very nice fellow. Yeah, and he gets out Excellent. and he shoots a lot. But he, he comes along to a few workshops when I've got a spare spot just because he's down that way and um, we get along quite well. And it's always good to kind of just, you know, see people's progress. But he took a wicked oh. shot where, um, you know, that you get that sort of kelpy seaweed that washes up yes. on that pebble beach and it's really yeah. yellow compared to that yes. steely yes. grey. And it's like you yes. walk up and it doesn't, it's seaweed. Like we don't think most people would walk through and go, oh, seaweed's a good photo. But the fact mm. that the contrast and the colours there actually means that you've got this amazing feature. Yeah. Um, contrast could also be bokeh, you know, so the contrast between sharp and soft. And so right. creating artificial, or not artificial, but creating a foreground, for instance, by shooting through maybe trees or, or leaves to kind of yep. create that kind of mottled um, bokeh in the foreground and background, that contrast can help. Or the contrast could even just be foreground versus background and making sure that they don't match perfectly. So it could be, you know, you were saying about those stormy skies. They look wicked, but if you've got a stormy sky and a super complicated foreground, that might be a little bit too much. Yeah, so, too distracting. Yeah, so yep. my approach really, I'd say, if I had to sum it up um, after a beer and a half, would be uh, <laughs> be just general con Excellent. general contrast in, in any way, shape, or form. Because contrast to me, um, or contrasting things, um, that's that's going to create a more visually interesting photograph. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And look, isn't it 
ironic that as you were talking about that, I'm thinking about contrast and what we probably immediately think of is contrast in terms of exposure. Yeah. And how much, uh, unfortunately, um, these software programs these days can take contrast away from the photograph. Oh, by, shocking. You know, dynamic range being, you know, 10, 15 stops. And uh, thankfully, I hope we've passed that that um, phase of the ridiculous uh, over-the-top HDR where there's so much um, detail in the shadows and, and so much detail in the highlights that uh, you, there's not enough contrast in the photograph. And and really, just because those sliders are there doesn't mean you have to use them all the time. And more often than not, I'm adding contrast to my digital raw files rather than um, trying to take it away. Uh, just because the cameras these days are so good in that regard. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a valid point you make. Can I that can I difference between light and dark, or um, you know, color versus no color, etc. Is really what grabs your attention, doesn't it? So I, I this I had a really good analogy I, for my um I run like a Sunday session um with my group, much like your tribe. And yep. um, we were talking about this the other day because I did a bit of a Lightroom demo session. And uh, the way I look at it is um, we all know like boudoir photos. Is that how you pronounce Which? it? Boudoir? Which? Boudoir? Boudoir. Boudoir, yeah, yeah. Yeah, boudoir, yeah. yeah. Well, We've done a few boudoir sessions yeah. together, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Selfie yeah, photos. We might as well be up front about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, in fact, <laughs> I've got some I'll put on the group that Tom said. Oh, yes, the other day. please. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Share them. Um, oh, they're there to share. But... Uh, yeah, so you think about that, and like the, one of the, the 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 reason that that's such a popular form of photography when it's done really well is is because of contrast. So a black and white nude, for instance, is can be super artistic and super tasteful because of the use of contrast. The moment right. that you do like HDR black and white nudes, that's when it turns into porn. That the only <laughs> the only difference between the two is contrast, really, because a, a, a tasteful nude has enough contrast that it it, it sort of creates a mystery. Porn is kind of just like, hey, here it is. And so I think oh that... Um, God, I think we've gone down this road. You know? this, this, there's a caption. There's, there's some sort of like, um, you know, like there's a, there's a quote in there that we, we, could, we could dig out that <laughs> just be used. Matt's, Matt's uh, insightful word of the week or words yeah. of the week would be something along those lines. But, it, oh but, but I think that if you do look at your, you know, it doesn't matter what genre it is, the same thing applies. Like, there is a certain. Um, I'm not going. I don't want to use the word tackiness because it's not always. Uh, you're tacky. offending a lot of the older um, male members of camera clubs out there if you start talking about um, boudoir photography being porn. You know that. Oh no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that. I'm saying there. No, I'm saying there's a complete like they're totally different. And the is thing, that the road ahead for us, Matt? Is that what we're going to end up as as being? Yeah. Well, I, I, I've set up my OnlyFans account, <laughs> and I'm I'm hoping it takes off because that's that's all that's going on in COVID. But. Um, <laughs> No, I'm saying that, that, that nude, like a tasteful nude is one thing, and but the, the moment that you, you lose the contrast in it, it does transform into a totally different genre and it, yeah. it's not maybe as tasteful a genre. Right, right, so right. So definitely not, definitely not um, knocking the, uh, the, the, the black and white nude. I've got plenty of my, my own that I think are fantastic. Oh, um, you, you, one of these self-portraits, aren't they? Most, mostly, like, yeah. Clearly, clearly yeah. bored during ISO and you said... I'll just try a little bit of, you know, I'm, I'm looking pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I'll just I'll try a new lighting technique. It was just a really, over the internet. It's just a really good incentive to learn Photoshop, that's all. <laughs> right.
Are you a Photoshop man or oh, a God, Lightroom no. or what? I'm, I'm, a light, I'm a Lightroom with the occasional jump into Photoshop when I desperately need to right. fix something. When you have to, yeah, yeah. But um, are you a are you a heavy manipulator of your images, or are you one of these like, oh, you know, one minute later it looks pretty good, so I'm happy with that. Uh, I'd probably say I'm definitely not a purist. That's for sure. Um, right. I wouldn't say I'm a heavy manipulator in that I don't put it. So I would never. I'm glad you said manipulator. Yep. Go on. I would never. Um, I would never include or exclude something that wasn't in the original scene. All right. Um, yes. Unless it was, of course, like a spot removal of like there was a piece of rubbish on the ground or something. Um, mm. But I wouldn't, you know, I think like a sky replacement or I put more people in the shot or I put, I cloned the boulders yeah. or I put a bird in the yeah. sky. That's just not my style. That, I don't, nothing right. against it, but. What do you think? All oh, right. That's one, that was my next question. What do you think of that? Is it? Well, I think as long as people are transparent, okay. I have no issue with so, it. Yeah, I'm the same. Because I'd hate. I'm the same. I don't. I don't like it when people try and palm it off as being a single capture and it's not. Yeah, like the moon, like when supermoon happens and you're just like, oh god, pancake in the sky. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> yes. um, it just annoys me because, and to be honest, it doesn't annoy me because I, I think that people look down on my moon shots or that it makes other people look better. I think it annoys me because I see how much it frustrates people in my, I'll call them student group, um, when they're like, how come I don't get this shot? Because they, if you don't have the experience to know what's photoshopped and what's not. I think that um, it can be quite um, disillusioning, I think, to see all these cool photos and like these amazing, you know, Photoshop light streaks that people put through caves and skies and smoke in places smoke doesn't exist and, you know, just all these weird things and, and people go, oh my God, how do they get that? And they get really frustrated and I think it can shoot your confidence down. Whereas yep. if you knew that it was Photoshopped, you knew that it was manipulated, you can appreciate it and go, wow, what an amazing piece of artwork, but um, you're not expecting to get that out of one shot. Um, there's a couple of really good underwater photographers in in um, down. And I'll say I don't want to say emerging as in um, they're just coming up, but they're emerging in that I think that they're starting to take a lot more seriously. Um, uh, Matt Testoni is um, he's he's an amazing underwater photographer down. I think he's based in Mornington or Rye or something because he's out quite a lot, um, and he's been taking a lot of over under shot like double exposures lately. Oh yeah, right. And, yeah, um, yeah. and they're wicked. Dub a double exposure under over is amazing because you can put like a weedy sea dragon in the foreground underwater, and then you got this wicked mm. sea like um, scene of the the water surface and the sunset. Mm. And yeah, nice. and the really nice thing, the thing I really appreciate about, appreciate about what he does is he says in his caption it's a double exposure. And since he's been doing it, I've seen a lot of other photographers who are maybe not as experienced trying that technique and they're getting some really good results maybe not quite up to where he is he's a wicked photographer but i love the fact that his little caption inspired other people to be able to achieve it not trick them into making them feel yeah yeah that's right yeah that's right yeah good 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 yeah Yeah, i never considered that regarding the um you know the up-and-coming photographers who would perhaps feel despondent by looking at other people's photographs and saying, well, how come I can't get that? And of course it's totally unreal to try and capture that in one single capture. The supermoon classic, like people go out and buy, I need to buy yeah. a 400 millimeter lens because I want to buy, I'm going to get the supermoon shot. And you're like, actually you could just like, you know, select it and expand in, <laughs> yes. in Photoshop yes. like everyone else. Control A, control T in Photoshop and off you go. Transform the, <laughs> the bugger to make it look three times bigger than it is. I saw, a, I saw a great one after a supermoon a little while back and it was basically someone who'd gotten um, all these amazing moon shots, but they just Photoshopped a burrito um, instead of the moon. And because of that little sort of spottiness, it actually looked quite moon-esque until you really looked at it and we're like, oh, that's a burrito. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so clever what people come up with. Just on that note, you triggered something for me regarding that double exposure. I'm not sure if Maddie Smith does it. I don't know enough about him, but I saw him enter um, some comps a few years ago, stunning Portuguese man of war and other bits and bobs. And uh, 
he's done very well with his photography. And if you check out his website, which is maddysmithphoto.com, you'll see an example of what Maddie, Matt was talking about there with um, with those beautiful shots of, you know, half underwater, half above water. Mm. I don't know, have you seen his work, Matt? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same. Yeah. This, this is the thing. Like those shots. I mean, his shot there with the man of war. That that is yeah. a, a single shot. So you can. Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can do. How, how under have over. you got that? How have you got it? Has he got it? For those who are listening, he's holding a light out to the side. Uh, so on a on an underwater camera rig, you'll usually have a couple of strobes, so a couple of flashes that go underwater, yeah. and so yeah. they'll just be sitting at the side of the camera, and all that sort of right. star dusty looking stuff. That's just the sand in the water that's catching yeah. the, the light. Um, right. And it's, so, this is a great topic for podcasts when you're talking. I know, about, right? Yeah. So it's like we're, we're like looking at it on our uh, computer screens, and everyone else is yeah. going, "What the hell are they um, looking at?" So, so basically, to get an under overshot um, with an underwater camera, you use a dome port. So it's like a big glass dome on the front yes. of the lens, and the bigger the dome, the easier it is because the water level can sort of bounce up and down more area, so you don't need quite a yep. still of water. Um, right. So this shot here is a is a single exposure. The thing that um, is a, 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 a jet, the Portuguese man of war, which is a, essentially a jellyfish that floats, um, like a blue right. bottle, blue bottle, I guess for Australian. It's the same thing, uh, isn't it? Yeah, I think I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. they're the same. I think yeah, I think they are. Anyway, yeah, um, right. So this one, they don't move very fast, and so you can get right up no. to them. But um, the ones that I'm talking about um, with with Matt's Testoni's Testoni Testoni um, is uh, that. Um, he's using sea dragons and sea dragons don't sit near the surface of the water. Um, so you can't do an under over from that perspective. And also um, it's very unlikely you would get that close if they were in the shallows. So, um, you know, very similar technique, but he's achieving something that is not physically possible. But I love the fact that they're awesome photos. They're inspiring shots. They, they convey exactly what he wants them to convey. But also I think he's actually done everyone a huge service by inspiring them to know that it's possible here's the technique as opposed to just yeah. good on you matt testoni yeah. spelt t-e-s-t-o-n-i and his website is mtunderwatermedia.com for those who are interested mtunderwatermedia.com i just found his uh, oh, there you website go. there how fast do um leafy sea dragons move as i've said before on another podcast it is a dream of mine just depends how see one. how how good your throwing arm is really um, <laughs> you are <laughs> no um they, terrible Miriam. they don't move very fast um but they they can turn you know not quickly but in terms of underwater you can't move very fast either so it's kind of like watching two turtles have a race um, right, <laughs> no one's right, moving very okay. quickly, but because no one's moving very quickly, it's all relative. So yeah, wow, he's got some gorgeous prints of uh, of leafy sea dragons. Oh, he does. He's got, weedy, he's got some weedy sea dragons. These ones are the weedies, yeah. In fact, when I looked him up, Matt, uh, you know, I'm very impressed that when I googled his name, in fact, one, two, three, four, five, six down in on the the first page of Google when I was googling his name, not underwater photography or, or anything else. When I Googled Matt Testoni photography, number six was mattcrummensphotography.com.au. Yeah, well, you probably just cost Take me. Take the jargon out of me. photography and have a whole lot of fun learning. Yeah, you probably just cost me about $15 because you Googled that. <laughs> so thank you. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. How have you been going during, just to finish off the podcast today, which we've just created so much value. Everybody, I'm sure they're sitting there with a paper and pen and they're busily scribbling away uh, probably, probably sketching content. images that they think we're talking about like trying to piece together this 
this visual puzzle that we've talked through. <laughs> Perhaps podcasts aren't our best medium, man. Yeah. Perhaps we need to be doing like YouTube or, you know, Ooh. another Zoom, a Zoom call, like because people haven't done enough Zoom calls in the last, you know, six months. <laughs> what have you been busily doing uh, during ISO? You, you, you've How's things going for the Bright Festival of Photography? Because we are pumping that and yeah. when the ticket sales end because... This uh, podcast that we're recording today will be going to air, uh, uh, let's see the date, it would be next, um, it'll be roughly the, the 2nd of September. Well, so then you'll have about a week left. because it... A week all, yeah, so, so you've only got another week, people, to get your uh, tickets for the Bright Festival of Photography. Yeah, that's it. Is it looking good? It- Oh, you know what? We've had such an amazing response this year from instructors. I think that instructors are also, um, I mean, we've made it easy, haven't we? Like it's online. So we've got um, Dennis in South Australia. We've got um, Cam down in Tassie. Um, Nikon yeah. have provided, um, they've got quite a few instructors this year. Um, uh, I think um, Chris is up in uh, Queensland. So it's kind of because of this new form, or this not new format, but this year's format, um, Yes, it's, it's made it this unprecedented format. This unprecedented format, For an unprecedented year. I'm going to see how many times we can <laughs> mention the word unprecedented in the next five minutes. Um, it's been unprecedentedly uh, well, well, <laughs> well accepted, and I think it's 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 looking really good. There's so much content, and the cool thing I think is that because there's so much content at BFOP, you might get to four or five workshops. Um, obviously, this format you can go to many more, but equally, mm. the golden ticket does allow you to go and access um, those workshops as a recording. Um, afterwards as well so we've got i wow. think 54 workshop sessions running throughout the weekend so far um, what now tell me do, do, do they overlap so you you there, there's, there's several three workshops rooms. going at the same time yeah oh, three rooms right, at the okay. same time and um right. in, in some not in all cases but in most cases um yep. uh yeah it's it's not and that's not all of them either we've actually still got instructors coming on board we've got some new sponsors um coming on board it's just going a bit bonkers which is great and i think that it really is setting us up next year to have just the most unbelievable face-to-face festival, should we be allowed to, because I'm going to say that cautiously because it is a pretty unprecedented time. And, yeah, unprecedented. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it is coming along really well. And to be honest, it's actually, um, from a technology perspective, it's a whole bunch simpler than, um, than what we've ever really faced because, as, you, as I'm sure everyone who's heard of BFOP, we have a great infamous reputation for website building um where it crashes every year and um and yet this year people have been able to just casually go on and purchase their tickets as opposed to rushing not crashed once and um the best part is that because we don't have room limits either for our sessions um Mm. we're hoping that that doesn't happen again and if zoom crashes well i mean then no one could have pulled it off so that's my theory is there i'm just putting my stupid hat on for a second because there's so many upsides to the way you're running the festival this year for reasons you've just pointed out, mm. is there any way to incorporate that into perhaps next year's festival, should we be meeting face-to-face, and have it so that people who perhaps couldn't attend Bright for whatever reason could be attending but virtually rather than physically? Yeah, look, I don't know that we be would be in a position to do that because I think it would require a, like 15 cameramen to follow everyone around. <laughs> Videographers. Um, live yeah, but they could all come on my workshop yeah. and they would get a very comprehensive, uh, you know. We have looked at doing um, broadcast in the main stage, um, just the straight presentations, which I think will end up happening yeah. next year. We just haven't had to this, um, this time. However, I will say that... Um, you know, BFOP, if you look at the growth over the last four years, um, BFOP year one started off with 75 people. 
Um, and then it went to 150 people. Then it went to 200 people. And last year we had 400 and it sold out um, before the event. So, you know, next year we we really are hoping that we can pull everyone together. We can grow the festival again and eventually, um, you know, maybe get to a point where we can do some of that cool stuff, but uh, it, it does require a lot of budget. And um, at the moment where our focus is really making sure instructors walk away from that, from from at least from this year going, hey, you know what, that that helps to kickstart the business again. Um, yeah. And so we really probably, I should make a shout out, we really appreciate um, that 98% of people um, in, in the bookings have actually purchased that golden ticket because all that. Well, who are the 2%? Because we probably should shout out to them now and we'll not even give a shout out just humiliate them now no 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 look we we said from the start and look unfortunately (laughs) this part is finished now we did have a pay what you can um for those who have had a a, you can't purchase that anymore that's no so that's been switched off because there's some national campaigns going out and of course um people who don't know bfop i think might just take the piss with that um Whereas the idea of it for us was to make sure that no loyal BFOP fan, people who have been there for, the, for year after year, missed out on that opportunity. Because we don't want people to be excluded just because they've had a hard year. Um, and we, we as the entire photography industry know exactly what that feels like. And so um, I, will, I, I do, will give a huge shout out to everyone, um, that 98% who, who have, have gone and bought the top ticket. It, it actually has, it has helped to cover the cost of those others who... Uh, um, more than cover the cost of those those who couldn't afford it. So um, you can think about it as paying paying it forward. And you know the idea of BFOP is it, it benefits the instructors. So that that flows straight through back to the photography community. And um, yeah. and I think it's going to be a really nice end to lockdown. Hopefully, people can start getting their businesses built again. And uh, and this mm. might just just help with that. You know, it's a very small kickstart for everyone, but um, mm. it, it's uh, it's something. Oh, well, good on everybody who's uh, jumped on board already. Thank you very much for your support. Obviously, the uh festival doesn't happen without the people who attend so although it would be a hell of a lot easier if they didn't attend <laughs> well just like any business it'd be much better if you know customers jesus i i don't get any work done the phone keeps ringing all the time you know, know right? that sort of deal i mean um uh, but uh <laughs> mary mary's just mentioning a, a a bad experience she had recently where she um she purchased uh from another photographer in the US, um, some actions or content, video content, etc. Photoshop, you know, tips and tricks, etc. And she was going to um, uh, teach her staff, her photographers, these techniques. This other photographer was um, selling, and this other photographer has done the due diligence and perhaps think that we're ripping off um, her content in order to reuse it uh, in the studio. And uh, and has has reneged on the sale of of her training. Oh wow! Yeah, like really weird as like That's... like what you're not you're not doing well. You police that. You're not doing well. If you get into that yeah. point, you're not doing well because if you could afford to police every sale you make, this um, is it. you've got too much time in your hands. Yeah, I mean we don't we don't police all of our podcast listeners to make sure they're not just manipulating yeah, our voice a little bit. This and is pass it. We want to like... make sure that we want to make sure that anybody who's listening to this podcast. Please do not implement anything that we teach you because that's our intellectual property. And, and uh, if we catch you doing this, there'll be severe. My lawyers and Matt's lawyers will be onto you straight away because really we're not here to teach you and 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 have you rip off our stuff. At the end of the day, we're just here to entertain ourselves. Really, I will entertain and inspire. We're going to remove that third the third pillar of uh, educate. Yeah, <laughs> educating. We're not here to ed- I mean, come on, for fuck's sake! If you are selling something over the internet. You're doing that for the purpose of A, to make money for yourself, but B, to educate people, inspire them so that they can put into practice what you're teaching. Well, I'll be honest if with you. you we do not want them to 
pass on that information to somebody else, do not make it available on the internet. <laughs> it's like putting your photo up on the internet and saying, oh, somebody ripped it off or, oh, oh, what do you do about copyright and what do you do about people ripping your stuff off the internet? You know what I say to everybody? I say, well, if you don't want it ripped off, don't put it up on the internet because it's likely to happen. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> Mary, Mary wants to come in. She's like, she's like, babe, babe, she's standing over the top of me. I and she's, she's, I wasn't sharing to someone who hadn't bought it. I was she, buying it. The she's buying it for the photographers who work for her as opposed to passing it on to somebody else. Well, I'm, I'm just excited that in this particular 43 minutes and 57 seconds, <laughs> we have only done about two minutes of education. So I feel like even if someone ripped off this episode, I reckon we're pretty safe. I think they're right. I think we're okay. They're not going to get too much from this. Matt, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you again. Always. Thank you so much. Uh, for those who uh, are still thinking about coming along, to the Bright Festival of Photography. Think no more. Get on board. Purchase your tickets because you haven't got long. We'd love to see you in a couple of weeks' time. Stay safe, everybody. For those out there doing it tough in lockdown, um, there's always a light at the end of a tunnel. And if you ever need to uh, give Matt a call at 2 a.m., he's probably going to be awake. Probably. Uh, he's newborn. So just, yeah. um, I'll just look, his number, 555. <laughs> Six seven eight three. No, the worst part is my numbers on my website, and um, and I do occasionally get those calls. So um, yeah, you know what? Just all in when if I don't want to, I don't want to be disturbed. My phone's on. Do not disturb. So um, yeah. So if I answer it, then know that I wanted to answer it. But if you want to keep him company, and it's four or five a.m. Feel free to give him a buzz as well. Yeah. He'd probably like to just have a little bit of banter, just like we do every week. Thanks everybody for listening. That has been yet another random episode of Matt and Tom's excellent podcast and we will catch you next time. Thanks, Maddie. Au revoir. See ya.